Welcome to the Drone to 1K podcast, where we learn how successful drone entrepreneurs launch their businesses so you can too. And now, your host, David Young. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode two, season two of the Drone to 1K podcast. I am your host, David Young. Um, very excited about this season. Uh, if you haven't already, I would encourage you to go back and listen to, well, first, you could go through season one, a lot of great entrepreneurs, uh, drone entrepreneurs in that season. Uh, but for season two, we just have so many good people. Um, I've already recorded uh, all the episodes as of this date. It is uh, April 1st today when I'm recording this. Uh, this will come out, uh, I think, sometime next week. But um, I've already recorded all the episodes. We're releasing one a week for 10 weeks for season two. But man, so many good episodes. I'm excited for you guys to hear them all. Um, if you are unfamiliar with the uh, Drone to 1K podcast, in a nutshell, we interview people who have successful drone businesses. Uh, and the criteria to be on our show is that you have to be making at least $1,000 a month or more with your drone. So some people are right about that threshold, but some people are way, way over that. You know, we've, ha- we've interviewed a couple uh, six-figure earners on here uh, this this season. So excited to um, talk about all those. So last episode, uh, we had a high schooler on who was making really good money with their drones. If you haven't uh, listened to that, I encourage you uh, to go back and listen to episode one. Uh, but today on season two, we actually have uh, a Drone Launch Academy instructor. So the instructors that we use for Drone Launch Academy, I mean, they're not full-time Drone Launch Academy employees, uh, one of our strategies is we go out there and we find industry professionals who are, you know, doing what they do with their drone, they're in their drone business, uh, and then we bring them in to teach uh, courses so that they can make their knowledge uh, available to everybody else who's trying to get going and trying to start drone businesses or learn new things, uh, and so we partner with them on that. So we've got Alex Harris, who is a professional photographer, drone photographer, videographer, cinematography guy. He created some courses for us, but he, you know, he also still has his own drone business. Um, and then Sinue Montoya and Riley Wiggins, they have a company where they specialize in doing uh, roof surveys and roof inspections, uh, mainly for solar companies. They have contracts with big solar companies to uh, speed up the site survey process for them. And they also do some work for uh, realtors and roofing companies. Um, so today on the podcast, we have Sinue Montoya uh, from uh, Drone Quote. He's going to talk about um, how he started his company. I mean, he's been in drones for a while, kind of back to 2014. Um, and I'll let you, I won't ruin his story, but really fascinating story as to how he um, discovered drones, how he's applying them to the roofing and solar industry. Uh, on how that led him to kind of start his business and grow and how drones have been super, super beneficial into him growing his business. Um, and he talks a little bit about the course he did with us. Um, we actually have a, a discount on that if you're interested, you know, after listening to the podcast, if you feel like, oh, cool, you know, roof surveys, roof inspections is something I want to do. Um, we have a whole course on that, a special discount for podcast listeners. Uh, you can go to dronelaunchacademy.com slash d one k discounts um just like uh just like david or drone to 1k d1k discount no s discount uh, and that'll get you uh to the discounts for all podcast listeners okay i don't want to belabor that point too much obviously you don't have to take a course if you don't want to but i figured some people uh might be interested after this podcast episode um 
But yeah, really excited to bring you Sinue. And again, as always, if you are enjoying this podcast and you want a free t-shirt, leave us a review on uh, any podcast platform and shoot me an email at david at dronelaunchacademy.com. Give me a screenshot of your review and I'll shoot you a shirt. Um, doesn't have to be a perfect review. If you don't like the podcast, you know, be honest, obviously. We want to continue to get better and make something that's a good resource for you guys and something that you all enjoy. Uh, so love to get that feedback. Love to hear um, what you think about the podcast and how we can make it better. All right. Without any further ado, here is Sinue. All right. So today we have with us on the podcast, Drone to 1K, Sinue Montoya, not Sinui. Not Sinu, Sinue. <laughs> every, every time I saw somebody your name, they're like, who is Sinui? I'm like, it's not Sinui. <laughs> um, so anyways, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about your company? Hey there, everybody. Uh, my name is Sinue Montoya. And David, thank you for making that very clear to people. And just to drive that point home, I always tell people the word insinuate. My name's right in the middle, right? <laughs> okay. Sinue. Um, you know, I run a company here out of uh, San Diego, California that I started a few years ago. It's called Drone Quote, and uh, we specialize in helping solar companies and roofing companies uh, get a good understanding of what's going on on a particular roof that may be inaccessible to them or maybe, you know, um, within out, out of a period of time that they could service it. We're a lot more nimble. We could respond a lot quicker and process imagery a lot quicker than their guys can. So we do a lot of business with roofing and solar contractors to do roof service. Awesome. Why don't we kind of try to start from the beginning, I guess, of your drone life, drone journey. When did you first start getting into drones and, and tell us a little about that? So I used to work at a solar installer uh, way back in the day. And I, I always tell people, people... Hold on real quick. For people who are unfamiliar with solar, when you say solar installer, you're talking about a company that is installing solar panels on like buildings? Solar panels on buildings, on roofs, they put on a new roof for a customer at the same time, or sometimes a customer just wants a roof, right? But gotcha. yes, we're talking about uh, solar on roofs for residential and commercial purposes. Okay, cool. So you're working for a solar installer. Yeah, and I... I say this as a joke, but it's actually true. I'm five six, and I'm scared of heights. So you know, maybe if I was six five, I probably wouldn't be scared of heights. But you know, I was <laughs> that I was dealt, and I was having to get on roofs to take measurements and to conduct a survey and so on. And it wasn't my cup of tea. I didn't really have a liking for it. And I realized that this was back in 2013 timeframe. I, I thought that there had to have been a better way. And I bought this little tiny toy drone with like a a camera that I soldered on and everything and a receiver that I, I built out of like crayons and toothpicks pretty much. And I just started seeing that there was a potential there. So I bought a drone in early 2014 and I started using it for my line of work. And it made a really big difference for me because I was able to take far more accurate measurements. I was able to get a better understanding of what was taking place on the roof because when you're on a roof, that's two stories tall and it's got a 512 pitch or about 24 degrees. You're not going to, you're, you're being very mindful of not falling off of the roof and you're paying a lot of attention to that. And as a result, it can take away from the attention to detail that you could put on the roof. Right. And you may be looking at one particular sector of the roof and fail to notice something else, right. That may be really close to the Eve or really close to, you know, danger, if you will. And by utilizing the drone, I realized that it was saving me not only a lot of time, but it was really saving me a hassle and it was keeping me a lot safer. And I'm a father of two kids, so I want to come home every day, right? So does everybody else that gets on roofs. 
And I just realized that, look, this drone is just making my job so much easier. And I just continued implementing uh, standard operating procedures for that drone. And it made a big difference in how I worked and, and more importantly, how I sold. Yeah. So at first when you had this little drone, I mean, what kind of camera was on this thing? Uh, like, could you, was, could you control the direction in, of the, of the camera or was it just like a straight ahead thing? No, when I said uh, toothpicks and crayons, I almost wasn't kidding. It was very rudimentary. It was like, it was all, I actually hot glued it <laughs> onto <laughs> the, the little drone. It was a tiny, it was like a hundred dollar drone or okay. not even a drone. It was a little hundred dollar quadcopter that had no smart features. I actually learned, which is great because it taught me how to fly a drone, right? Uh-huh. It was very rudimentary, but that is what allowed me to open my mind to the concept of utilizing an actual, a real drone, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I just saw that as an opportunity and I learned from it. And from yeah. there. I- okay. Awesome. So how long were you using that kind of setup before you, before you kind of, I guess, did, I'm, I'm assuming later you, you upgraded what you were using to something a little bit, a little bit easier to, to operate. Yeah. That toy drone, I mean, it was just, the concept, proof of concept, if you will, in the sense that I could transmit an image from from a flying device to a receiver. Mm, and that's yeah. what opened up my eyes to actually saying, look, I need to buy something that's useful, not mm. just a concept uh, proof, uh, proof of concept. Uh, so it wasn't too long. I probably bought a drone, like a real drone about three months later. Okay. Uh, I bought, I bought a, a what was called a, at the time a TBS drone. I don't know if you heard of Team Black Sheep. Uh, it, was, okay. it was more of a... FPV flying setup, but it's what felt, it's what worked for me at the time. Yeah. And they weren't cheap. I actually sold my motorcycle to, to buy it. Wow, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It was, uh, was a sad of, day for you. Yeah, I it was it was sad for two reasons. One, I didn't have a motorcycle anymore. And two, the, the girl that bought it immediately when she left my property, she fell off the bike. She wrecked it? Yeah. <laughs> it was really sad. But story for okay? another day. Yeah, she was fine, but the fairings were all messed up. I was like, hey, hey, no refunds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. She made it off my property, and then, like, not even 45 feet after leaving my oh. property, she lost control and fell. Oh, like straight after she left. Oh, yeah, like of- within my line of sight. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, it was. Oh, gosh. Did she give you a hard time about wanting to get her money back or anything? No, she 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 owned it. Yeah, gotcha. Well, that's good. At least I didn't let her ride at home after that. I said, "Hey, you need to bring somebody who knows how to ride because I can't let you ride home knowing that this happened. I would feel guilty if this thing happened to you." Yeah. Oh man. Besides the point, I had to sell my bike. It was it was sad. So how much was it? Did that drone end up costing you the Team Black Sheep one? Oh, man, I had somebody build it for me. It cost me like thirty three hundred, thirty four hundred dollars. Oh, so that, that was a good chunk of change. What what year was that? I think it was uh, February of twenty fourteen. Okay. So, you know, the Phantoms were still not what they are today. No, yeah. And they didn't. Anymore. I don't even think they had the Phantom. Did they even have the Phantom 3 at that point? No, I think they had the Phantom 1, and the Phantom 2 was, like, right around the corner. Gotcha. How long did that, that Team Black Sheep drone last you? Well, there's this tree in my backyard. Uh-oh. Yeah, and I had the family over, and I was getting a hang of flying it, and, I, and the family was over, and I was like, guys, you got to check out this thing. I just bought this awesome drone. And I started flying in front of everybody and I, my orientation was not set up correctly and I crashed into this pine tree and it fell like 30 feet to the ground and smashed into smithereens. So it was gone like that? It, it, I probably had it for a solid three months, maybe four months. <laughs> and it wasn't flyable after that? It was flyable. I had to repair it. I had to buy a bunch of other parts. It was, oh, it was really sucks. painful. So yeah, you know, like for any listener out there that's just starting to get into drones, don't 
overestimate your confidence because you will pay through the nose. <laughs> Sorry, man. You lost your bike. Your drone your crash. It's a rocky start for you. Hey, worst things uh, have happened. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're, you're using that drone. But I guess you fixed it now. And are you still, I'm assuming you're still using it to look at roofs. So you're working for a solar installer and you're just at this point using the drone to supplement, to make your life easier in your current job, right? Correct. This, I wasn't generating, I mean, I was generating more sales as a result of it, but it wasn't like my company was paying me for having the drone or, you know, sponsoring right. it. They just, well, you, so you were getting, you got a commission based on sales that you did for, for solar, right? So right. if the drone could help you sell more then a, Essentially, you're making more money by using the drone, right? So, so how long did that go on for where you were just, you were still selling solar and you were using the drone? So the idea to start a business started formulating in my head when I saw that, as you just mentioned, you know, it did help me sell and it paid for itself. I mean, it paid for itself in a hurry, like mm -hmm. really, really quick in, in a period of like months. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had something on my hands that at the time, nobody was really using for that mm -hmm. purpose. Right. And I also had the pleasure and opportunity of speaking with a lot of well-to-do clientele. Mm -hmm. And whenever I walked into a house where their entire living room was the size of my entire house, <laughs> I shifted focus from learning or to trying to sell solar to learning about what that person did to be successful. And, you know, for anybody out there that's looking to start a business, I strongly encourage you to read Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. Good book. Very good book. Yeah, very good book. And I started asking them questions and they always told me, hey, look, the reason I became so successful is because I started a business. So I had that seed planted in my head. I saw the proof of concept, at least to some degree with the drone. And I just started saving money to start a business and leave the company. It took me about two years to answer your question, but that's because it took planning and savings and setting everything up, sure. getting my ducks in a row. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's kind of smart too. You're not taking you're kind of mitigating your risk right by you're still keeping your current job with your current income so there's some stability there and right. then at the same time you're making your plans now if you never never take the leap or never actually act on the plans that's one thing but you obviously have so i think that's good and i, I mean i did that even when i was starting drone launch academy you know i i did it on the side for a long time because i wanted to make sure it was had traction and had income coming in and i knew what it like i knew that it was at least had a a <laughs> fighting chance to work before I, right. you know, left a stable job. So, so you're, you're doing it for about two years, kind of thinking about it and formulating it while you're still using a drone in the industry. And I'm sure you're still learning more and more and uh, at, at the time. So, so you shifted from working for the solar company to then starting your own business. Uh, what year was that? So I started my business in 2017, 2017. Okay. And then walk us through that. So you tell the solar company, I quit. Um, like what's your, I guess, what's your business plan at this point? Like what's in your mind, like how are you going to make money? And then how did you go out and get your first paying client? You know, I heard it on a podcast or maybe read it in a book. I don't remember exactly where. So people think that they have their business idea and their business plan set before you start a business. And it isn't until you actually open your door for business that the real idea or the thing that's really going to work starts to you, that's when you really find out, right? Right. You got to test stuff. Yeah. Right. So at the time when I was building everything and formulating my plans and, and figuring out what I was going to do, are you familiar with Droners? Droners.io? Yeah. Yeah. So the, that company was my original model. I said, look, I'm going to build a website and a, and a company that's going to help people find drones, uh, drone pilots, because mm -hmm. 
people kept asking me, Hey, can you do this? Or can you do that? You know, in different realms of professionalism, like real estate or, or what have you. Right. And I said, Hey, I think there's a big opportunity to help people find the, the drone pipe that they need. So I set out to launch a model similar to Droners. And then I realized that Droners had beat me to it. So I still went with it, but that didn't last very long. That lasted about uh, six, seven months. And then I kept getting calls from people in the solar industry saying, hey, can you inspect a roof for me? Or can you go out and do this uh, project? I can't, we can't get our guys on that roof. We need you to go out there. And those calls kept happening. So after I, uh, after I realized that the model that Droners had built that I was trying to emulate wasn't going to work and it wasn't generating the revenue I needed it to. Mm-hmm. I shift to focus on inspecting roofs wholeheartedly. And that's really where we started making our money and where we really started seeing traction. Awesome. So yeah, you get in there, figure out what's working, what's not, where your opportunity is, and then kind of shift your focus that way, which I think is smart. And another thing is, you know, with, you know, the, the drone pilot network model, you know, you're basically like a SaaS company at that, or like a software company at that point trying right. to, there's a lot of development costs and, you know, programmers and whatnot. So, but with your model, it's more of a, at, at least at the beginning, you're kind of getting paid for the product that you're creating immediately with your time. So it's probably a lot easier to get into from like a capital standpoint, like how much money you need. So, um, so I think that's smart. So, so you, you realize, okay, I keep getting calls for this. There's a lot of demand here, obviously. So I'm going to shift there. Tell us about your, I guess your first client. And then I, it sounds like people already knew about you because you were getting these calls. It's not like you decided to start from scratch and now you're having to chase people down. It sounded like you were just responding to the demand. So I guess, A, how did you build that up to where people knew who you were? And is that just from your days of selling solar? You already had a lot of contacts or was it, you know, you're making that kind of an intentional effort after you set up the drone company? So I built my profile on LinkedIn well before then. And I always made it a point to be active on LinkedIn and you know, other, well, social media, not necessarily, I'd say really LinkedIn. That's a professional social media, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I cold called. Did you? I, I cold called. Yeah. I cold called uh, solar companies. I'd cold called uh, people who were doing uh, large commercial installations, large roofs. Uh, I cold called and cold called and cold called. And that turned into opportunities. Now you're probably more comfortable with cold calling than most people. Cause you're, you were in solar sales for a while. And, and you and I, I've known uh, for people listening, I've known Sinue for about probably a year and a half or two years now. We we made one course together for Journal Launch Academy, so maybe we should have mentioned this earlier. So Sinue is actually, him and his business partner, Riley, are the people who created our aerial roof inspection pro course, where they teach a lot of what they know how to do. But from, you know, getting to know you, I know you're you're not afraid to like talk to anybody. You'll walk up, like, you're you're much more outgoing slash brave than I am. You'll just walk up to a stranger and, you know, talk to him and Hey, do you need solar? You know, um, so <laughs> for the other people out there who may not be as comfortable cold calling, do you even just like want to walk us through like a mock cold call where you're like, cool, I'm going to reach out to this solar company, you find their contact info and you're calling them up. Like, I feel like whenever you're doing a cold call, there's always a really awkward point when the person picks up the phone and you're like, hi, my name's Sinue. They're like, okay, I don't know this person. What do they want from me? Like, how do you like get past that first, like, one minute of awkwardness where the other person on the other line is trying to figure out like, what does this guy want? You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So, you know, that's a good question because I do believe that a lot of people see it as very intimidating, Mm -hmm. but I will say this, it's in your head. It's literally in your head. It's not in the other person's head because the other person's just sitting there doing their job and the phone rang and their job is to answer the phone. Mm -hmm. Right. So one, the awkwardness is 
in the caller's head, right? Mm -hmm. And two, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. Mm -hmm. So if so you, how do you, avoid, how do you go ahead, sorry, keep going. So how you avoid making it awkward is you do a level of research on who you're going to call before you call them. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're, if, if you're lucky and you get the right amount of information, you're armed with a warm call because now you have information that they will hear and they'll understand that, you know, some level of information about them. Right. So no, mm -hmm. it's no longer cold. If I just call you out of the blue and you answer the phone, and I don't know anything about you. That's cold. If I've done information research and I know things about your company and personnel behind your company, then it gives me a really good start. And then it's all on how you, in my opinion, in how you initiate that call. So David answers the phone. I greet you with a very warm greeting and ask you how you're doing. Right. So now I care about how you're doing. And you're sharing that with me. And so then, like, like, so you're picking up the phone. You're like, ring, ring, ring. Hello. This is David Solar. How can I help you? Hey, David, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Look, um, I was wondering if you can actually help me with something. Do you think I could have a moment of your time? Sure. And you, you just said that you wanted to help me, right? Or if you didn't say, people typically don't say, I want to help you. They say, hey, this is David from so-and-so solar. Uh -huh. And I asked them how they're doing. Can you help me with something? Okay. So now most people aren't going to turn down the opportunity to help somebody. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most people aren't going to do that. And now that you said you want to help me, I tell you, hey, look, I saw, I was, I was wondering if I can talk to Keith. He's your project development manager. Uh -huh. And I, there's something I want to discuss with him that he posted about on LinkedIn. And I wanted to follow up to that. Okay. So now yeah. I know something about Keith that he saw that he posted on LinkedIn. And the person who answered the phone is going to understand that I know Keith works there. Gotcha. And it doesn't seem like a cold pitch because you're saying uh, you're referencing someone else, something else that you want to chat with him about. It doesn't right. sound like as salesy. Exactly. And my purpose with the person who answered the phone is not to explain to them what the call is about. Mm -hmm. It's to get them to understand that this is not a cold call and make it sound as if though I've already talked to Keith in the past. Yeah. So let's say now you get to Keith, right? She said, sure. All right. Yeah. Keith's right here. Actually, he just got back from lunch. Let me patch you through. You know, so now Keith's on the phone. Hey, this is Keith. Now, what do you say? Keith, you know what? I was uh, following you on social media and I got to tell you, you always post uh, very interesting content and I really appreciate reading what you uh, post about. One of the things you posted about regarding the dangers of getting on roofs that are steep or tall, it was of interest to me. And I think that there may be an opportunity for us to help you mitigate those risks or those dangers that your company faces whenever they send boots on the roof. Oh, really? So, now I've addressed that particular pain point that he's talked about, right? Now, you're not always going to get very lucky to, to see them talk about that yeah. matter on, on social media. But if you do research into what the company does, mm -hmm. right, you know that they're getting on roofs. You know that they're sending technicians out there. So when you talk about these general pain points for those professions, you're not off the mark. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about something that they do think about. They, they do have to be mindful of OSHA. They do have to be mindful of, you know, their tie down points on the roof. They do have to be mindful of how steep or whether or not a roof is moist at a certain time of year. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking about something he hasn't thought about. Right. And I'm not talking about something that he doesn't plan for. So now I've got his interest based on the fact that I did a little bit of research and I'm able to understand some of their pain points. Gotcha. And then I go into open-ended questions. You know, I make every effort to ask as many open-ended questions as possible. Like, give me, give me an example, like two. What is a challenge that you guys have when you get on steeper roofs uh, during the wetter part of the year? Now, I know the answer to that. 
but you just I know that. Say again. So go go ahead. No, I'm saying, but then you ask it, you just kind of let him talk. See what he says. Right. So I asked him a question regarding you know a steep roof in the month of February when it's raining, right? And he's going to start telling me, well, you know, my guys get up there, and if they can't find a tie down point that is easily accessible, they're more than likely not going to climb the roof, and we'll tell the customer we'll come back at a later time, or we just won't be able to do that survey. Mm. And that's where I can come in and say, hey, look, Keith, with our services, we can go out and do the survey of that roof that you need to get done in a much quicker manner and more than likely at a lower cost to your, your company. It's mm-hmm. awesome. And, and it helps a lot that you were in solar before, so you, you kind of are privy to a lot of those pain points that they have and you can kind of speak the same language, right? Right. But even if that is true, but even if, you know, you're not in solar or roofing and you're getting into inspecting roofs because you see the opportunity there, um, if you do enough research, right? Yeah. It's, um, you can learn it, right? Yeah. And it's all research-based, you know, you're not going to go into anything that requires research and not do the research and expect to be successful because you're right. setting up failure. Right. Right. No, I think that's a really good thing. And I, I just wanted to kind of walk through like a quick exercise to get like more specific details for people who maybe cold calling is terrifying for them or, they're just like, I don't know what to say. Because it might come supernaturally to you, uh, but to maybe someone else who, who hasn't done that before, they're not no sales background. I think that's kind of helpful for them to kind of give that example. Uh, let um, me add to that one, one quick point uh, regarding, you know, the fear, if you will, of cold calling. And for anybody listening out there that is open to the idea of cold calling, let me just tell you that, no, I don't need your services. Thank you. You're going to hear that. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people is look forward to the no's count your no's, count how many no's it takes you to get to a yes. Because once you have an understanding of an average amount of no's that it takes you to get to a yes, then you know that with every no, you're one step closer to your yes. And you can't get to a yes without first going through no's. Mm-hmm. So every time you get a no, you should be happy about it because you're one no closer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. I think yeah, it's probably the biggest thing. People are just afraid of, oh, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to get rejected, you know? So um, you got to put that aside. Yeah. I think that's great to think about. All right, cool. So let's, in our mini little cold call train, let's jump back to um, jump back to your business. So you're reaching out, cold calling these companies. You're able to drum up some business that way, it sounds like, to do to go out on these, to do these roof surveys for these solar companies. Is that right? Right. Well, what I was going to say, how I continued growing that beyond just cold calling is once I started getting customers, I would ask them if there's anybody else that they know of that would be of benefit to my of my services. Mm-hmm. And would you get leads that way? I, I would get some leads. I would yeah. get some leads. And it's worth asking because, again, the worst I could say is no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you go to do a job for these these companies, you know, walk us through what kind of job that is. And, you know, you already talked about you're flying the roof with the drone. But kind of what do they, at least at the beginning, what do they pay you for a typical job? And kind of what product were you delivering back to them? So they all already have standard operating procedures. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have a standard operating procedure for, you know, doing a roof survey. So we would take their SOP and compare it to ours and see where there's overlap and see where there's gaps that we have to fill to meet their requirements. And, you know, so, so meeting those, um, the SOPs that they put together was rather easy because we're not getting on the roof. Right. And we're usually charging about 150 to $200 a flight for these, uh, roof inspections, depending on the size. Now, if it's a large commercial building, it, you know, it'd be $500. Gotcha. And so, but let's say it's like a residential, you know, two or 3000 square foot house and you're doing it for like 150, 200 bucks. What does it take on your end? Like you're going out there, talk through the process of like what you're doing when you get out there as far as like the data you're capturing and then what it takes after you're done, uh, like to process that stuff. 
So that's a good question because it brings to light the point that your drone is just a tool. It's not going to be the thing that makes everything happen. It's just one of your tools in your tool belt, right? Mm -hmm. So when we go out to the house, we do a drone survey, obviously, but we're also gathering ground information. We're gathering uh, the details of the air conditioning unit because there's amperage and wattage labeled on that, on that air conditioning unit. We're mm -hmm. gathering details of the main service panel of any sub panels. We're looking for uh, cold water lines. The company wants us, they want to know where the water is coming in from. We want to know where the gas is coming in from. So there's a lot of information gathering that has nothing to do with the drone and mm -hmm. it's all on the ground. And it, which really underscores the fact that the drone is just one of the tools that you need to accomplish the job. And with it itself, you, you can't accomplish the job. There's a few other things you have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they want to know where the water's coming in from. They want to know where the gas is coming in from. They want to know, you know, the proximity of trees to the house and how tall they are. Uh, but there's, I would say that the drone is about 40%, maybe 35% of the work that I need to, the data that I need to capture is yeah, captured. Sure. Okay. The other 45% uh, is done with the, you know, a standard phone camera and other measurements I take on the ground. Gotcha. Now, so you, you capture, you get all this data that they want. Uh, you're using the drone to create an orthomosaic map image of the, the property, right? So they can get right. accurate measurements. And, and I use the drone too to get really close to the roof. I have it's a comp shingle roof uh, to see the, the condition of the roof. Uh, I use the drone to get the pitch of the roof. We actually, drone quote, we built a, it's not the best software in the world, if I'm being honest, but it's free and it's and it does serve the purpose. It gives us a full roof report. So we're able to generate a roof report from the ortho mosaic map and get the square footage and call out the different you know sections of the roof with this with this uh, tool, which they ask us to do. Yeah. Now, are, is, is this free to anybody to use the tool? Yeah. What's it yeah. called? It's a drone quote measure. How do you how do you get there? So you go to uh, dronequote.net and at the bottom you'll see uh, text that speaks to drone quote uh, measure. You'll click on it and you'll create an account and start using it. Cool. And there's a there's a there's a YouTube video embed into the website, so it teaches you how to walk through it. Nice. Okay. Awesome. All right. So you so you're that, essentially that report along with the other data you capture is kind of like the final deliverables that you're giving to the solar company. Right. And just so everybody knows, every company is going to do things differently. So we just fall in line to however they have their data turned in by their, their field guys already. Gotcha. Okay. So back again, so like that's, that's good information, like how kind of what you're doing. So with these solar companies, like how many jobs are they, are they kind of sending out to you guys to do? It depends on the time of year. So right now it's slowed down a little bit because solar at the end of the year is not as popular, if you will, it's out of season, right? Okay. Uh, the, the cost of utilities go down for people because they're not running their air conditioning unit, you know, nonstop. Uh, during the summer months when we're busy, we're doing anywhere from maybe like 50 to 75 jobs a month. Wow. That's a lot. It's a good amount. Yeah, that's great. So busy times you're doing like 50, 50, 75 jobs a month. Like what would that work out to like revenue wise? Well, we have to uh, pay pilots, you know, if they're going out. Um, okay, so you're not flying all these. You're not flying all these jobs yourself. No, um, it, it would. Well, let's just well, let's just say you were. You know, like obviously, if you want to do like a larger scale, you can hire other pilots. But if you were going to fly all those by yourself, I guess what's the average you're charging, kind of per job? It's one hundred and fifty dollars uh, as an average, uh, unless it's a really uh, not really, but bigger than average size house, and we charge. Okay, so, okay, so let's say a hundred. So one hundred and fifty. 
and uh, for for 50 uh, flights is 7,500 bucks. So like, if you were going to say like, I'm just gonna do all these myself, you know, that would be like about 7,500 bucks just with yeah. that math. So that's yeah, awesome. And- and it's not, I mean, it sounds like a lot and it does take a good amount of time because you're actually driving from point A to point B, right? Mm-hmm. But the installers, we set the precedent of give us the batch of jobs and a reasonable time frame, and we'll turn them all into you in uh, smaller batches, right? And what we do is we just plot our route according to the most you know, efficient uh, use of time. And then you can just start knocking them out. Right. So nice. there's days awesome. we'll go out and we'll do you know, five, six jobs. And I can handle five, six jobs myself in one day if I can plan for it beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of map it out. That's awesome. So how do you, I guess, from there, you know, you've been cold calling different solar companies. Have you found other customers for this type of service besides just solar companies? You mentioned like uh, roofing a little bit, I think, earlier. Like, do you have any, what is it like in that kind of, you know, that kind of side of the industry? So the roofing parties are a little bit tougher nut to crack because they're a little bit more old school. They want boots on the ground a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we really, you know, go hard on talking about the comp shingle uh, opportunities because that's very, the condition of the roof is visible. Yep. And comp shingle, spell that out for people that aren't familiar with roofing. So composition shingle is the overlayment that goes on a roof and it deteriorates in a visible manner, whereas a concrete tile has underlayment underneath that is deteriorating, but you can't see it. The concrete tile is always going to look the same, right? Unless yeah. it's broken and visibly damaged, you really can't get a good look at to what the condition of the roof is underneath. Gotcha. Uh, comp shingle roofs are very common, like in, in Texas, in, in the South, I should say, when there, where there isn't a lot of snow. And they last anywhere from, you know, 20 to 30 years, maybe even more depending on, you know, what the customer bought beforehand or the homeowner. Well, in Florida, they lost last usually less than that because of hurricanes and wind and stuff. Right. So, and, and a lot of times people don't know that there's uh, shingles missing on the roof, right? Mm-hmm. And you could literally see that obviously with a drone, whereas with a concrete tile roof, you can't tell that the paper underneath is brittle and it's cracked and it needs to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But with the comp single roof, you you can see the condition of the roof in a much better way. So, so we, yeah, go ahead. To the roofers, we really uh, you know express the value of our services with those kinds of roofs. Mm-hmm. And are you seeing kind of any reception there? Or are they still kind of is it still kind of tough at this point to convince them of the value of that? If I can convince them that they're going to save time and money, they're open to to hearing me out. Yeah. And we do generate, um, I would say it's a smaller portion of our business, if I'm being frank with you. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to grow because, the, you know, that's just the way that the world is moving, the technology uh, and safety yeah. factors. And so you're just mostly doing data collection. You're not doing any like promo videos for, because I've seen some people say, well, hey, uh, let me get videos of your guys working on the roof and doing the roof and make a little promo video for your business. That's not really your angle at all, is it? Because you're just collecting data on roof condition for them to use, I'm assuming, so they can make an estimate? Uh, so they can make an estimate or so that they can set their plans up for the installation. Okay, gotcha. So maybe they already have a job like booked and you're giving them kind of like a layout beforehand to help them plan? Yeah, on the drone quote side, we use it like drone quote to help you buy a roofing and solar. We do use it for the estimate, but uh, for the most part, when we're getting hired by roofing and solar companies, they've already sold the job and they want to get the survey of the roof completed so that they can go to permitting or plans first. Gotcha. And gotcha. Okay. Awesome. So going forward, I guess, you know, where do you see the biggest opportunity for people who want to use their drones for roof inspections? They're like, Hey, I'm, I'm committed to like 
doing roof inspections and I like that area and I'm not maybe as interested in because a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to make promo videos, but maybe they're like, I don't really want to do editing and promo videos. I just like the the data and some of the mapping stuff and they want to get into aerial roof stuff. I guess in your mind, where do you see some of the biggest opportunities going forward? Is it the solar companies or is it what tactics do you think people should be looking into in what areas for the future? You know, I, I really see a very big opportunity in the solar uh, space because solar is going to continue to grow um, and it has shown, uh, you know, very strong growth in the last five, seven years and actually even beyond that. So anything that's going to help bring down the price of solar, which would be, you know, decreasing the, the acquisition cost of the customer, decreasing the cost of installing the system or decreasing the cost of having guys go out to the roof and do surveys. If you can play a part in bringing down the cost for the company, you're going to be an attractive asset to them. Yeah. If you can, you know, if they're, char- they're paying their guy, you know, $40 an hour to go do these surveys and it's taking them, you know, two hours driving to and from locations and then they're spending two hours on the roof. Whereas you can go out to the roof and do a survey in, excuse me, to go out to the property and do a survey in 30 minutes, you could turn more of those surveys around for them. And that's going to save them money, which in turn, they'll be able to pass on to their customer and acquire more customers. Yeah. I think that uh, there's a big opportunity in drones and drone technology helping decrease the cost of a lot of these things that go into roofing and solar, yeah. which again, makes it more affordable for the customer and drive sales. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I don't want to keep taking up any more of your time, but I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. If people want to reach out, find out more about you, check out your stuff, what are some good ways where they can find out more about you or drone quote? Um, like you guys have website, social media, what's the best way to get hold of you? Yeah. Our website is dronequote.net. Um, you can find us on Facebook at the drone quote. Uh, okay. you can find us on Instagram at the drone quote, and you can find us on uh, LinkedIn drone quote. You don't have to type in at the drone quote, but I mean, really, if you type in drone quote to your Google search tab, we're going to come up because I think that we really, I got to give myself some credit right here. Um, we, we, uh, did sort of invent this model, if you will, of using drones in the way we have now, granted it's uh, rather common now, but, uh, I want to say that, you know, we definitely started earlier on back in 2014 with this concept. Yeah. Yeah. And then one last thing, I just want to say uh, a shout out to my partner, Riley Wiggins. You know, he's, uh, I couldn't, be, I, I wouldn't be where, where I am today if it weren't for him. So I just yeah. want to give him a shout out. <laughs> and Riley, I know Riley too. He's an awesome dude. So he's definitely, I think, been a big part of your, your success there too. So yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? One last point here uh, in terms of contact, uh, feel free to reach out to me directly, uh, smontoya at wrongquote.net for anybody out there. All right. Well, that was a great episode. Loved talking to Sinue. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Um, just a few reminders real quick. Again, if you want to leave us a review on the podcast, we'd love uh, your reviews, especially love five-star reviews. But we want you to be honest uh, and leave what you actually think. I think we're up to 51 five-star reviews. One guy gave us four stars, but then said a lot of good stuff in the description. Wasn't sure what that was about, but you know what? It's fine. Can't win them all. But if you want to review the podcast, I would really appreciate it. It lets other people know what the podcast is about, how people are enjoying it. Um, And as a thank you for taking the time to leave a review, it does, again, doesn't have to be five stars. I'm not trying to bribe you. Um, I will send you a t-shirt just for the effort. So I appreciate that and uh, feel free to do that. Also, again, if you guys are interested in any of our course discounts um, from the podcast, feel free to go to dronelaunchacademy.com slash d one the number one 
D1K discount. DrillLaunchAcademy.com uh, slash D1K discount. All right, we will see you next week for episode three of season two.